Do you love illustrations and stories that reinforce God's word? Yes. Well, let's get to it right away. Would you open God's word to Romans chapter 4? We'll be reading from verse 1 to the end of the chapter, verse 25. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 25. And as you turn your Bible to the book of Romans, we are currently working our way through this wonderful letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, towards the end of his life. And in this passage, he's going to give us an extensive, a developed illustration. This is the Word of God. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there's no law, there's no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up 
for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us. Would you join me in asking God to bless the preaching of this word and the hearing? Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the word that you have revealed to us and for the example you have given us from the Old Testament of how you declare people righteous. We pray that this text, the story of Abraham, and what it communicates for us would reveal once again and in fresh and deep ways what you desire with us today. We pray this, Father, for the name of Christ, in his authority, in his name, and for his glory. Amen. So, Romans 4 is an illustration. An illustration of what? It's a story from the life of Abraham of how he, Abraham, was counted righteous before God. Paul brings up this illustration because up to this moment in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he argued that all humanity is guilty before God. And he also argued that all humanity is unable and helpless to be counted righteous in the sight of God by works of the law. But the good news of the gospel is that a righteousness from God has been revealed that is apart from the law. It's a righteousness credited to us by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the point that Paul argued powerfully at the end of chapter 3. And chapter 4 serves as illustration of that point. And Abraham's story of how God justified Abraham by faith, apart from works, apart from circumcision, apart from the law, is proven to us here in Romans chapter 4. This passage is the illustration that God credits righteousness to those who believe in what he says. But this chapter not only illustrates that Abraham was justified by faith, this illustration closes on a powerful application for us today. Yes, God's dealing with Abraham in the Old Testament was not simply about Abraham, but actually it is about us today. So the message this chapter has for us is this. Being counted righteous by faith alone has always been God's plan for building a people for himself. The message that this chapter has for us today is that being counted righteous by faith alone has always been God's plan for building a people for himself. We see this pattern developed in embryonic form in the way God worked through Abraham and with Abraham and for Abraham. But Abraham's story sets the stage for how God is building a people for himself. And that's why the story of Abraham is not just about him, but it's also about us today. You might say, why is the Apostle Paul going to give us an example from the life of Abraham? What's so special about choosing Abraham as the example? This is not just a random example from the Old Testament. Abraham is chosen not even because Abraham was an important figure of the Old Testament, though he was very important. He's chosen as an example 
Because God, when he began the plan to form a people for himself, he called one man and gave him an amazing promise. Not only for himself, but for his offspring. And as we will see, the offspring promised to Abraham was not going to be limited only to those who relate to Abraham by physical descent. The story of Abraham is a story of how God would build a people for himself. And being counted righteous by faith alone has always been God's plan for building a people for himself. And to prove that point, Paul goes back to the very origin of how God began building a people for himself through Abraham. And the story of Abraham starts with a weird question. Look at verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Why would Paul start this illustration about Abraham with asking the question, what was gained by Abraham? Because Paul is planning to answer that question in this chapter. What was obtained from God by Abraham? And by the way, the, the, the question is, our forefather, or what was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Uh, the, the language of the question could be rearranged so that according to the flesh may qualify not just the forefather according to the flesh, but what was gained according to the flesh. The question could be asked both ways. What shall we say was gained according to the flesh by our forefather? That's another way to ask the question. Either way, Paul is going to answer for us what Abraham gained from God and how he obtained it and for what purpose. So the purpose of this chapter is to prove and to illustrate that being counted righteous by faith alone has always been God's plan for building a people for himself. Are you ready to see how this chapter illustrates that point? Let's get into it. Uh, this chapter is divided in three sections, uh, and each of them will show us uh, a significant point of Paul's development of this illustration. And we have three points. What Abraham gained, we'll see that from verse 1 to 17. Then we'll see what Abraham believed, 18 through 22, and then what it all means for us, 23 to 25. What Abraham gained. From verse 1 to 17, we see three things that Abraham gained in this chapter. He gained righteousness by faith. He gained the status of father. And he gained a promise to be the heir of the world. We look at each of these and realize that all flow from the first blessing, from the greatest blessing that Abraham ever received, and that is to be counted righteous by faith. All the three things that Abraham received and gained flow from this one, to be counted righteous by faith. This is a primary blessing Abraham gained. Look at verses 1 through 8. After Paul asks what Abraham gained, he quickly tells us that if Abraham was justified by works, his boasting could only be before people. Because in God's sight, no one can be considered righteous by works of the law, not even Abraham. Now, this is a way of saying, even Abraham, if he tried to be justified by works, he could not have made it before God. Now, to say that to Jewish people was pretty insulting. To say that not even their first patriarch could boast before God with a righteousness of his own, a righteousness of his good works? Indeed. But Abraham, instead of 
trying to gain a righteousness through his good works, Abraham took a different path. And Paul introduces us to one of the Old Testament passages that describes what Abraham did. Look at verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is a verbatim quote from Genesis 15, the passage that our brother Paul read earlier for us. What did Abraham gain? He gained being counted righteous. But it was not based on the flesh. It was not based on works. It was based on faith. This verse is repeated by Paul in this chapter three times. I might say that Romans 4 is actually an exposition, an unfolding of what it means that Abraham gained the righteousness of God by faith. In verses 4 and 5, Paul wants to make sure that we do not allow any room to combine any works with this faith in order to be counted righteous before God. So he gives a contrast. Being justified before God is not merely a synergy between faith, my faith, and my works. It's a monergy, God working to justify sinners through faith alone in Christ alone. And notice what Paul says in verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. How many of you who have jobs and are employed and have bosses, how many of you go to your boss and express deep gratitude every time you get your paycheck in the mail? Or when you have it electronically deposited straight in your account? Why don't you write a thank you note every time the money comes in. Because your paycheck is not a gift. It's what you deserve because you've worked. And if you don't get it, and yet you worked, you would consider that something is wrong. Now, you can be grateful for having a job, but your salary is what is rightly yours in exchange for your labor. And that is what Paul is saying here. If you consider works to be a ground for being counted righteous before God, that righteousness is no longer a gift. It's what God would owe you, what you would feel entitled to deserve because you contributed to that. But Paul makes it very clear that the righteousness of God is a gift. It allows, therefore, no room to include works to be a ground for obtaining it. So Paul wants to make sure that he leaves no room for anyone to try to combine works with faith in order to be considered righteous. He says in verse 5, and to the one who does not work but believes, believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Well, friends, in other words, faith alone is a channel by which we are counted righteous before God. This is the great benefit. This is the great blessing that humanity, that Abraham experienced, that any human being can experience to recognize that the righteousness of God is not something that God owes us, is not something that we feel entitled to. It's a gift. And it's a gift that must be received by faith alone. Origen, a great Bible teacher of the ancient times, he said, faith relies on the grace of the justifier. Works relies on the justice of the rewarder. If Abraham's story is not enough to prove that this was God's way of saving sinners, even in the Old Testament, 
Paul quotes another scripture, this time from King David. Look at verses 6 through 8. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sins. What a blessing. I wonder, I wonder if you know this blessing. I wonder if you have this blessing. These are the people who are truly blessed. Those whose lawless deeds are wiped away, forgiven. Those whose sins are covered, are atoned for. Those against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Friend, do you have this blessing? Have you experienced this blessing? It can be yours when you understand that God counts people righteous apart from works and solely by trusting in Jesus Christ, in his death for us and in his resurrection for us. But this blessing is granted by faith with a big implication. If it's not given on the grounds of works but faith alone, the big implication is it is not limited only to those who are circumcised. And this is Paul's next line in his argument in verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? In verses 9 through 12, Paul takes us on a short mental journey to ask us which came first, circumcision or the act of being counted righteous by faith. And Paul's answer is very pointed, very simple. Abraham was counted righteous by faith before he was circumcised. Imagine what was going on in a Jewish person's mind. Wow, never thought of that. Abraham was counted righteous before God apart from circumcision. Oh my goodness. This means that circumcision is not a condition to be counted righteous before God. Woe that blows a Jewish mind's uh, categories. And Paul goes a further step to argue in verse 11 that actually the sign of circumcision was a seal of the righteousness he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. In other words, circumcision was supposed to be a visible sign of what had taken place in Abraham before he was circumcised. It was supposed to be a visible sign of an internal reality, and that internal reality was never conditioned on the external sign of circumcision. But once Abraham gained the righteousness of God by faith, apart from works and without circumcision, Abraham gained something else. He gained not only righteousness of God by faith, he actually gained a status to be a father. Look at verse 11. The purpose of all this the purpose was to make him, Abraham, the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. Now, this is a huge claim and a huge correction to the Jewish understanding of their forefather, Abraham. The correction is that by gaining righteousness through faith prior to be circumcised, Abraham became father for all who believe without being circumcised. So, who are the descendants of Abraham? Who were the descendants of Abraham that God was planning to give to Abraham to be his people? According to this passage... It's not merely the Jewish people. God was planning to form a people for himself through Abraham. 
but it was not going to be limited to his physical descendants. God intended to include in Abraham's offspring all those who would not be of Jewish descent, who were not going to be circumcised, and yet would put their faith in Jesus. The main point about Abraham is not simply that he would be counted righteous by faith, but that through the same faith, prior to being circumcised, others could experience the same blessing and be counted righteous and thus become the offspring of Abraham. And those who respond by faith become Abraham's children, the people of God, that God planned to raise for Abraham and through Abraham through faith. That's a big blow to understand what does it mean to be an offspring of Abraham. But there's another big blow to understanding who are the people of God and who can claim Abraham as their father. In verse 12, we are told that even among the people who are circumcised, in other words, even among the Jewish people, not everyone can claim to be the offspring of Abraham. Look at verse 12. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. In other words, the non-negotiable condition to be the descendant of Abraham, according to this passage, is not circumcision, but having the faith of Abraham. Without it, circumcision means nothing, even for the Jewish people. Now, friends, why would the status of being a father be such a big deal and such a big promise to Abraham? Because until the age of 100, he and Sarah were childless. And God made Abraham a promise that he would be the father of many nations. But here we realize that by being counted righteous before he was circumcised, Abraham would indeed become the father of all who believed without being circumcised. And even for those who will be circumcised, verse 12 makes it very clear that it was not circumcision alone that would make people to be the offspring of Abraham, but circumcision if it is coupled with faith, the faith that Abraham had. So not only is circumcision ruled out as a condition of being justified by faith, but so is the Mosaic law. Look at verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. To insist that the promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world, that he would have offspring from many nations, to insist that that promise came not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith is another way for Paul to say, not only circumcision is not a condition of being right with God, of being the people of God, but the law is not a condition to be right with God and to be part of the people of God. Abraham obtained a countless offspring, as many as the stars of the sky. So what has Abraham gained? The righteousness of faith or the righteousness of God by faith. But he also gained the status of father. And his offspring would be as, as many as the stars of the sky. His offspring would be all those who believe. And they would come from all the nations of the earth. This is the worldwide offspring that God promised to Abraham. And how did God, Abraham respond? Paul tells us he believed. And this brings us to the second major section of the book of, of, this, of this chapter. What did Abraham 
gain. We saw that in the first part. Second part is what did Abraham believe? We see this in verses 17 through 22. The promise God made to Abraham was amazing. It sounded out of human proportions, and it was. Who could count the stars on the sky? After all, God's intent was that through Abraham, God would form a people for himself from all the nations of the earth. There is only one problem. Abraham was not able to have even one child with Sarah because Sarah was barren. And by this time, Abraham is 100 years old. How would this promise from God that God would make Abraham the father of many nations, how would that happen when Abraham is at the end of his physical abilities. Verses 17 through 22 give us an x-ray of Abraham's mind and heart as he heard God's promise, this grandiose universal promise. And this x-ray of Abraham's mind and heart revealed to us the nature of Abraham's faith. This is what Abraham believed. Here's what he held on to when he believed God. Look at verse 17. After hearing the promise that God will make Abraham the father of many nations, here's Abraham's response. In the presence of God in whom he believed. What did he believe? Listen. In whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is what Abraham believed. This is a content of his faith. Not simply that God exists. Not simply that God is good. Not simply that God is there. Abraham's faith had a very specific conviction of what God was able to do. He's able to call into, the th into existence the things that do not exist this is not the God of the evolutionists. This is the God who speaks the world into existence. And he needs nothing in order to create something to make it happen. And he's also the God who gives life to the dead. If he's able to call into existence the things that do not exist, he clearly can give life to the dead. And if he's the God who can give life to the dead, he clearly can bring into existence that which did not exist. Abraham, Abraham's faith was grounded in what God was able to do. This is important for us to realize about faith. Christian faith is very different than any other so-called faith experience. You hear today people say, oh, so-and-so is a man of faith. Oh, so-and-so lady is, such a, is a person of great faith. That means nothing. Faith in what? They just believe what they want to believe, believe their hopes to be true. Today we have the, the, the theme of claim it, name it and claim it. Just name it and believe what you name and believe that it will be done to you. Oh friends, that is not the Christian faith. Faith is not believing in your desired outcomes. Faith is not claiming something and, and, and just building up your inner psych, somehow just claiming it and, and holding on that it must happen if you just believe it hard enough. That is not the Christian faith. Faith is not checking your brains at the door. Abraham in this passage did not turn a blind eye to his old body. We are told that Abraham considered his old body. And he realized it was too old. And he looked at Sarah, his wife, and he considered her bareness. He did not check his brain at the door. Christian faith is always reasonable, and it has grounds to stand on. But in Abraham's case, Abraham's faith, after looking at his body, after looking at Sarah, 
and he realized humanly this is impossible. But Abraham had a choice to count and believe on what humanly is considered possible or to count what God said he would do. Abraham's faith was linked specifically to God's promise, to what God said he would do for Abraham. Faith does not come from my inner being. Faith comes as we hear the word of God and the promise of what he will do. That's why Christian faith is always linked to the word of God. It never comes without the word of God because it can never be grounded on anything else than what God said about himself and what he would do. And verse 21 tells us that even Abraham, when he considered his human inability, and the text tells us he realized he was as good as dead when it came to the reproduction functions. Nevertheless, he believed. Why? Look at verse 21. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Friends, faith is not confidence in what you want to come to fruition. Faith is not unleashing our human potential. Christian faith is confidence in God's character and God's word, that God will do what he said he will do. Faith finds God to be trustworthy, to be able to do what he promised, even when our bodies are as good as dead. Here is where Abraham believed that God is able to raise up a dead person And imagine Abraham believed this about God before the incarnation of Jesus. He believed that God is able to give life to the dead. This man believed that God is able to call into existence what was not there before. What was not there before? An offspring for Abraham an offspring as many as the nations of the world. And yet, Abraham's faith was not, not in himself. Abraham's faith was not blind to reason. Abraham's faith was not pie in the sky. Abraham's faith was fully convinced of God's character. The trustworthiness that what he says he will do. And Paul concludes in verse 22 by repeating the Old Testament verse with which he started. For the third time in verse 22, Paul says, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Why? Because he believed that what God said he would do, even if it was humanly no longer possible. Oh, friends, this is what faith is. Faith is the vehicle by which we grab hold of the character of God and hold on to it. And for Abraham, when he grabbed hold of what God said he would do and Abraham believed that God would do it, that was counted for Abraham as righteousness. Well, friends, if you claim that you are a person of faith, that you have faith in God, what exactly do you believe about him? Is it just a generic faith? Yes, I know God is there. I know God is around. I know God is with me. Oh, friends, merely having a generic faith in God is not the point of this text. The believing that makes us righteous before God has a, a content that's very specific. It's a believing that God will do for us what he said he would do in Jesus Christ. Friends, believing, grabbing hold that everything that God said in this book is true and God will accomplish every yota of it, every dot of it, 
is the kind of faith that grabs hold of the character of God and says, I don't care how humanly impossible it seems to be, how humanly helpless or hopeless I can be when I look around at me or at my situation. I am grabbing hold of the word of God and trusting his character. That, my dear friends, is when you and I are counted righteous before God. What Abraham gained by faith was a righteousness by faith, the status of a father of all nations and the promise to be the heir of the world. But all this he gained not merely for himself but for us. And this is the final point of the message today and of Paul's passage in this chapter. Look at verse 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours as well. Why is Paul spending so much time talking about Abraham's faith? Because what he obtained by faith was not simply for us, I mean for himself, but for us as well. The righteousness of God by faith, which Abraham obtained, can be credited to us also. How? We too are called to have the same faith that Abraham had. That God is a God able to give life to the dead. And God proved it. And we see it in verse 24 and 25. The righteousness of God will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. My friends, if Abraham believed in God's ability to give life to the dead and he was fully convinced of that before the incarnation of Jesus, before his death and before his resurrection, we today have no excuses not to believe. Because what Abraham look for that it would happen in the future. We today, from this point of history, we look backward and say, yep, it happened. God did raise Jesus from the dead. God did with Jesus what he said he would do, that he would send a suffering servant who would take upon him the punishment that we deserve, who would take upon himself the sorrows, who would take upon himself our sins and our guilt. God delivered Jesus for our trespasses, but God also raised him from the dead. Oh, friends, but the purpose of God raising Jesus from the dead was not simply to show, hey, I can do it. God raised Jesus from the dead for our justification. That's what, that's what Paul says for us here in verse 25. He was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Why did God do all that in Jesus? So that he, the God who in the Old Testament could not justify the ungodly, as the book of Exodus tells us. When Jesus is finally delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification, God could finally become the God who justifies the ungodly. Remember verse 5. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. Everywhere else in the Old Testament, you will see God. And there's places, I, I don't have time to, to take you there, where God says that he's a God who cannot justify the ungodly. But this is the time, the first time, when finally we get this news, the God who could not turn a blind eye to rebellion, to our crimes against him, for the first time, he is able to be the God who now justifies the ungodly. That is you and that is me. Because the story of Abraham 
is a story of the man who believed that God could do what he promised to do. God promised to build a people for himself through Abraham. How would he do that? Not through circumcision, not through the law, but by counting Abraham righteous through faith. One day, Jesus was having a heated debate with the Jewish leaders, and the name of Abraham came up in their dialogue. And Jesus said to them the following about Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham saw the day when God would do it through his son Jesus. He did not have an HD definition uh, view of all the details, but he had a sketch. He saw the day, and Abraham was glad. And here is the one Abraham saw standing among the Jewish leaders. The one who in a few weeks and months would go to the cross to be delivered. The one who spoke about his resurrection before it happened. And what do the Jewish leaders, how do they respond? The Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham saw it and was glad. These Jewish leaders were in the presence of Jesus and they could not see it. Therefore, they did not respond with faith. The text tells us they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Oh, friends, the one Abraham spoke about when he believed that God is able to raise up the dead has come. I wonder how you are responding to him. Because you see, the story about Abraham's faith, about how Abraham was counted righteous by faith, was not just about Abraham. It was about you and I. Because the same kind of faith God is building a people for himself. Through that same kind of faith, God is raising up heirs of Abraham. Those who see what he saw and would place their faith in him. Are you one of them? Are you one of them? If you have not yet placed your trust in Jesus... Let me ask you, what is your reason for delaying, especially after you've heard the story of Abraham, how he was counted righteous for believing what he saw ahead coming? And you and I are here today, and I'm here to tell you, it has come. Faith alone can grab hold of the work of Christ, and thus you too can be counted righteous in the sight of God. So being counted righteous by faith alone has always been God's plan for building a people for himself. Friends, this is why we exist as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a local manifestation of the people of God that God is building up for himself as he calls people today to have the same kind of faith that Abraham had in the Old Testament. The church is the fulfillment of the promises God gave to Abraham to make him the father of all who believe apart from works without circumcision and not based on the law. Because of Jesus Christ, now God is calling people from all the nations of the earth to become his people, the offspring of Abraham, through faith in the name of Jesus. I love that we have people in this congregation from Japan and Mexico and Romania 
And we had people from Ukraine, Moldova, Nigeria. And we even have non-Texan Americans among us. God is truly building a people from all republics, all states, all nations through faith in Jesus Christ. Our job as a church, our role as a church is to put on display what righteousness by faith looks like. When we make the gospel known, when we baptize people, when we take people into membership, when we regularly observe the Lord's Supper, all of these are a display of what it means to grab hold of Jesus by faith. Do you realize that your job, if you are a member of this church, is to make visible the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ? And if you're not a member of the church, and if you're a follower of Jesus, God calls you to be a part of his people and to show it week by week as we gather every Sunday, as we live together, because God is counting righteous by faith alone all those who put their faith in Jesus. And so God is building up a people himself. Let's pray. Father, you have given us such a rich picture in your word from the Old Testament convincing us that the only way for any of us to be made right with you is by faith alone. You have shown it to us in the life of Abraham. And you have shown us from his story that you desire to do this not only with us individually in isolated experiences, but corporately as you're building up a people for yourself. Father, enable us by your spirit to put our faith and trust in Christ alone. Enable us as a congregation to be a display of what it means that you are building up a people for yourself by faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God alone. We pray all this. Amen.